Welcome to a brand new episode of the Soul Blazers podcast. Co-hosts Amanda Ware, our Christmas queen and founder of Hello Holidays, and Dr. Carol Osborne, our multi-venture guru, are ready to sit down and share their stories, insights, and wisdom to inspire aspiring trailblazers like you who are gearing up to start your own business, seeking personal growth, or looking for that spark to set your soul ablaze. Kara, I had the most interesting phone call yesterday from my friend Susanna. She had gone to this, um, she's so smart. My friend Susanna is so cool. She's a powerhouse. She owns Pink Door Properties. And she called me. She's like, Amanda, I've got to talk to you about this topic. I got, She had gotten and met this girl who had been talking about money, and it was about women and wealth. And she said they were talking about it, and there were two sides of the room. There was a side of the room of and women who had no idea what to do with money and didn't know anything, didn't understand it at all. And then there was this other group of like, so like, who, you are so dumb because you don't understand money. And I want to talk to you about that because that's something you've seen it. Me really struggle with, it just feels so big. It feels like understanding the finance world feels overwhelming and so big. And being an entrepreneur who doesn't understand my finances, it is a complete blind spot and it can it's hurting me like it it is hurting my business it hurts me personally to keep avoiding that hairy hairball of (laughs) understanding finances and can we talk about that i thought it was just me and i thought i was hiding it and now i'm learning it is a lot of women and i thought maybe in the south because i only know southern women to talk for but it might be universal. Can you tell me why that is? Why is that taboo? Why is money a taboo conversation? Well, a couple of things. So I think, um, A, the patriarchy. So if you think about women and money, you know, even when I was a kid, my grandmother didn't have access to money. She had like a charge account at the gas station and an account at the grocery store my granddad paid the bill once a month, mm-hmm. you know, and um, so historically we have a lot of baggage to overcome. Why? Why were, Why was it? Was it because the men took care of the women financially and the women took care of the men physically? Is that like, was that like the way the culture worked? Is that how we got to that place? Well, I think, you know, the sort of 1950s era concept of like the man brings him the bacon and all the fries are up in the pan or like June and Ward Cleaver even though that's not the reality of most people's lives and it really probably never was but um, I think again I can only speak from the perspective of somebody from the south because I am from the south but I do think in the south there has been and continues to be even among our peers this perception that sort of the height of, you know, success is I don't have to work. Mm. That my husband, partner, whatever, I don't know that it's entirely heterosexual, but it's certainly heteronormative, but that I don't need to work. Well, A, why would you not want to? Why do you not have, like, a way of working or a purpose for your own life that is important to you because I feel like every human being needs purpose in life. 
needs to have a feeling of contributing and a reason to be on the planet. But B, this sort of uh, reinforcement, I think, you know, you tell me because this is more your community than mine, but the evangelical church sort of promoting or contributing to these heteronormative gender roles of the woman's places in the home and that the natural sort of extra burden of child rearing just by virtue of being someone who carries a baby and gives birth to it and certainly if you breastfeed, that is work that has to be done mm -hmm. and it is really hard to find ways to share that work with your partner and that sort of sets up these roles and power dynamics that we're not always super conscious of, but puts a lot of women in a position of feeling, whether this is, you know, real from a true dollars and cents perspective or not, but feeling dependent, feeling like they don't have direct access to the resources they would want or need to live the life they want to live without someone else involved. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's also this, like, idea that if you could just, you that is your job, right? Like, your job is to make sure the home is a soft, cozy place, and then the money's the man's job, and money is hard, complicated. I've been, I don't know if I've been told this. I cannot tell you one person that's told me this, but this voice in my head is, Amanda, you're not good with money, so you should let someone else be in charge of it. There's that voice in my head. I, I, like, I like to spend money, so you better let someone else be in charge because since you like to spend money, you're probably not going to be good at, good at handling it. And I'm just now, at 40-plus years old, untangling that, and that's just not true. That's just not true. I do spend a lot. Of, I like to spend money. I'm not saying I don't, but I'm also generous. I'm also, but I am learning, and that's this whole gamifying money and using it as Legos and is actually fun, and it's something I can embrace, and it's not too hard, and I am, you talk about priorities, just those baby steps to understanding that. Well, I think there's nothing inherently hard about it. I think what's hard is that many of us have emotional baggage around money, whether that comes from uh, scarcity, scarcity in our childhoods, or scarcity for our parents where there really wasn't enough, and there was the stress of not being able to be, meet basic needs, or the stress of not having enough money to do things like go to school, or, you know, I do think there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, like food and shelter, and money is attached to our ability to live comfortably for sure and also it's a tool and a resource and can be thought of in very neutral terms if you have the ability to sort of have enough to have the basic needs back so when somebody's in scarcity and stress and survival mode, it's really difficult to think of anything other than like getting through the day, mm. right? But for those of us who are lucky enough to 
had opportunities and been well-educated enough to earn more than enough money to meet our basic needs, then it becomes, well, what else do we use money for? And I think, you know, for lots of generations of women, the opportunity to be well-educated enough to meet your um, basic needs wasn't there. And for, you know, lots of people, um, not just women, but certainly uh, more women than men, not only was there not the opportunity, but that cultural perception, you know, something Ruth Bader Ginsburg talked about a lot, is like, well, the man was the provider, and so even if you were doing the very same job, you were offered a lesser salary because you you weren't providing for a family. And, you know, if we think about it, like, the work that's gone into things like equal pay is pretty recent, you know? And still there's a huge wage gap. If you look at you know, women in similar positions to men, there's still a huge pay differential. And all of those things contribute to the emotional sort of lived experience and felt sense of money being hard or money just not being for us. Yeah, women. that's one of them. I feel that. Money's for men, yeah. not for women. You know, definitely money has been used to create, you know, fear and power dynamics of, you know, definitely as a midwife, I saw a lot of women in bad marriages or in abusive relationships. And one of the reasons they continued to stay in a situation that they knew wasn't helping for them was they had no idea how to pay to live oh, yeah. for themselves and for their kids. And so there's plenty of like very rational reasons to be afraid of or you know just intimidated by money on the topic. That being said, you know, going back to other things we've talked about, that's really a feeling and an emotion and the way to get past the emotional reaction about it is practice. How would you what would you okay, give it give me some resources if I said, okay, I just wanna like I do have the, just want to learn a few things to get me started to feel more comfortable talking about maybe budgeting and doing it. You know, I don't say budget. I say spending plan. So doing I say budget for the ever for the masses, but planning a spending plan. What what were some resources you would go to for someone who wanted to figure out how to set up a business and money was like a huge blind spot, but they know you've got to have money to start a business, right? Or do you? Well, you have to have financial resources of, of some sort for the most part to start a business. Although sometimes if you're just selling your time, you know, if you have a skill, if you're mowing somebody's yard, as long as you've got a lawnmower, that's not capital intensive. That's not money that you need to start a business. You just need to go mow somebody's lawn and figure out how to take their money. You know, the mechanics of how money moves around is part of it. But I think, you know, starting with very basic tools like um, the business plan tools available from the Small Business Administration, which is just SBA.gov, uh, 
a great way to start to think about how much money you need for what when you're starting a business. Um, but there's tons of great tools out there to learn about investment, to learn about just basic um, personal financial management. You know, five minutes with Google and you can come up with a hundred tools. The deal is using them and using them consistently. And I'm as guilty of it as anybody is. Like, it just gets messy and the details don't seem worthwhile and I fall into the busy trap of not keeping close track of things. And to me, it's what will you use much more so than the tool. I do think Elevest is a great resource for any woman who's trying to learn how to approach making investments because mm. one of the real wealth gaps comes not so much from earning potential or what men, men and women earn, but how men are um, sort of acculturating to invest versus women not understanding you know, investment or being intimidated by things like debt, uh, you know, buying real estate is one of the uh, most reliable ways to build overall wealth, but that's a very intimidating process if you've not done it before and if you just don't have um, the support. All the tools are there. It's a matter of going and finding the ones that you like we are going to talk more about investments. You're so good. I've learned so much from you about investments. And we're going to talk more about that on the podcast in the future. Right? Yeah, and I think, you know, again, I'm no hero. I don't have any tools or resources that anybody else does. I'm a nurse by training. You know, most people go into medicine because they don't want anything to do with business. And I certainly fell into that category of, like, you know, my mom ran a dental practice and knew vaguely how it worked, but I mostly just wanted to get paid a salary and never have to think about how billing insurance worked or how any of that worked. Now I've come a long way since then, but I think, you know, I understand that drive, that hesitance to get involved in business for people who are people people and want to take care of other people or want to teach people and they just see money and business almost as um, distasteful or uh, just like crass, you know, yeah. I was taught you never talk about money. Right. You don't talk about religion, you don't talk about money, you and don't talk about politics. Yeah, you don't talk about any of that and that's why women, people think women are done with money. There is that in the South. There is this general thing of like the woman spends the money and the man makes it. And I think we can change that narrative. I think I'd like to start opening that conversation out open and talking to women about investments and um, talking about money. And I, well, you and I do that, and it's just been really fun. Yeah, totally. And like anything else, I think it's just, um, it starts with your own personal practice and then the conversations that you have with your close friends and family and that that's how change happens yeah. that's how organic change happens is by just you know changing your own day-to-day -day first totally and I do think the people I know that are really good with money 
they love it when I ask them questions about how they prioritize what they're spending. And it is a fun conversation and not being afraid of that and saying, um, you know what? That's something I want to pay more attention to. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Soul Blazers podcast. Kara and Amanda, your soul blazing big sisters, are just laying the foundation for all of the amazing things to come. If you want to stay up to date on new episodes, be notified of any discounts, or get a glimpse of what we are working on behind the scenes, go to soulblazers.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, soul blazers.